Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Hello, Clitorati. So in honor of Women's Equality Day this year, we wanted to bring back what we felt was one of our most powerful interviews on the subject. It's our interview with Farinak Amadi. And for those of you who have listened to it before, we actually strongly do encourage you to listen to it again. And for those of you who haven't heard it, this is one of the most profound and inspirational episodes we've ever done. And we felt that the message was even more appropriate this year. So we wanted to bring it back and um, have us really just enjoy this conversation and this really important interview that we did with Farah Nakamani. So enjoy. Happy Women's Equality Day, Clitorati. Women have had the right to vote since August 26, 1920. That's 100 years today. And there's been a saying flying around the internet that empowered women empower women. That is absolutely true. And here at Clit Talk, we dare to say that empowered women empower everyone. Today, we are honored to celebrate this special occasion with a woman who has literally moved mountains to create gender equality in the Middle East. She's a women's affair journalist at BBC, a public speaker for gender equality on Farsi-speaking social media networks. She was recommended by several of our clitorati, and her mission is to create a safe microclimate for Iranian and Afghan women to exchange ideas and talk about their 21st century's goals and challenges. So amazing. (laughs) She is intelligent, generous, and incredibly courageous. Please welcome, all the way from London, Baranak Amidi. Yay! I'm so flattered. <laughs> oh my it's god! I feel amazing. amazing. Thank you. <laughs> That's like your abbreviated no, bio. No, by the no. way, yeah. that's really, really flattering. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy to be with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my we gosh. are so Thank excited you. to have you here today. Thank you. Yeah. So we we talk a lot about on on our show about having your tribe of women or a community mm-hmm. of like minded supportive people. Um, can you tell us more about the work you do to give Afghan and Iranian women a safe space to speak and share? Can you just tell? us the amazing thing. <laughs> no, it, I think it's so important to have a safe space for women to speak because generally, especially in societies like Iranian society and Afghan society, public spaces are very male dominated spaces. You don't really hear women talking in public spaces. Uh, and the public sphere as much as uh, you would want to hear them. Um, and uh, whatever mm-hmm issue that is related to women is so taboo that it is very difficult for women to actually get their voices heard because everything is so hush hush no 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 you know you don't talk about your body you don't talk about your sexuality you don't talk about your periods you don't talk about violence you don't talk about rape you don't talk about any of this because all of it is taboo especially if it's got to if if it's related to your sexuality and your body um so for me it was extremely wow. important to create a space um, where we could talk about these things and break some of these taboos and make sure that women uh, felt safe enough 
to, to express their ideas, to share their experiences. Because what happens in um, very patriarchal societies like Iranian and Afghan society is that women are suffering the same in the same way, but because they're not sharing, so they don't know. They don't know that this is happening to the person next to them. They don't know that it's happening to a friend. They don't know it's happening in a, a widespread mm. in the society because it is not something that is said out loud enough. Um, and I think that social media has given Iranian and Afghan women and women in a lot of patriarchal societies um, and Middle Eastern societies um, an unprecedented uh, freedom um, that they don't have generally in in the state-run media or the national media. They, they're not given that platform, but on the on social media platforms, they have created these little microclimates where it's safe and they exchange ideas, they share their stories. And that's what I've done with my page. And it was basically... Um, after I was uh, badly body shamed and uh, harassed on social media um, because, yeah, oh. it was terrible because I used to work for BBC Persian TV and I had done, you know, I was in front of this um, video wall doing this uh, report. It was the Iranian election, uh, presidential election. I was like reading the stats and all of that. And I, th- I, I thought I looked good. <laughs> But um, and, and, and I had this little blooper on TV. It was re- funny. The, the video wall wasn't working. So I wanted to show one city and kept on showing another city. But the, the city that I was, yeah, it was oh, like no. really bad. And it was live TV. So I kept on like <laughs> clicking and it just kept on going to a city that I'm from in Iran. And I was like, that's not the city. Like I'm from there. <laughs> And it's not my city. Um, And I thought it was really funny. So I put it on my social media and oh God, the whole hell broke loose. Everybody was like, you're so disgusting. Your body's so bad. How dare you go in front of a camera looking like this? You're fat, you're ugly. I was like, oh Oh my my God. God. Wow. What the fuck? What? What? What the actual fuck? Because, you know, I thought I had handled it really well, but it's not about how professional you've been on TV. It's about why do you have a pot belly or why, why aren't you a size of minus is a two, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm sitting here looking at you. So first of all, you're, you're beautiful, so they, they can actually fuck off. Second of all, we, we had a guest on here recently and she put something into the conversation that really shifted it for me in a profound way. And she said, what is it like, why, what about someone else's body evokes the emotion of anger in you? Like, why does that make you angry? It is the weirdest thing. I think it's thing. a lot to do with uh, yourself. Um, if I, yeah. I always say, um, uh, on Instagram to to a lot of my followers that your relationship with your own body um, has profound impact on your relationship with other people and how you treat them. Mm. It is so important mm-hmm. because if if you have this hatred, if your inner conversation with yourself is mean when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can you can be mean to others as well. 
You know, you can, you, you can be, you can be quite cruel. And it's also another thing that, you know, women, we are not judged by what we're saying and what we're doing. We're judged by how we're, how we look, our, our Mm -hmm. appearance, especially in a society like Iranian society where women are supposed to, you know, you're supposed to look like a doll, be made up, have had your uh, (laughs) nose done, have had your boobs done, you know, Uh, it's expected. Mm. People put money aside for their daughters. So after high school, they get their nose done. So is plastic... It's pl- mm. So plastic surgery, is that very common in the oh, Middle East? Oh, yes. And in Iran, it's like everybody has had a nose job. Everybody. It's just, it's just. Really? If you don't, people actually come to you and say, oh, why, why haven't you had a nose job? Like, what is wrong with you? Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. So I want to, I want to actually, I know that you, you said it's taboo for women to talk mm. about these things in, in Iran and in Middle Eastern countries. And I'm actually wondering, is it also, is it dangerous? Uh, well, being a feminist is definitely dangerous in, in Iran um, because um, they, you get arrested. I mean, t- all of almost every uh, women's rights activist in Iran has been in jail is in jail or in exile wow. or is in fear or has some sort of like is out on bail, basically. Mm. So you've created this platform, but before this, there was no connection, no v- opportunity for women to really have a voice in Iran and for Afghan women. And what, in my experience, is not having a voice or not claiming my voice it leaves you feeling really alone and isolated, which is exactly probably what the patriarchal culture wants, which is how you're saying all these, every women's right activist in Iran has either been arrested or is in jail or is in exile. I mean, that's just... Um, it gives me chills in so the wrong in, way. Yeah. <laughs> it's so in, incredibly dangerous. So what gave you the courage to speak out about topics that are so taboo in the culture in which you were raised? Um, I'm. That's what I think is so amazing about you. Like you have been pioneering uh, on the forefront. Um, I, I, I of, don't for this call movement. myself a pioneer in this uh, thing. I think many women before me have done it and they've had to pay way mm. higher prices, a uh, way higher price than I have had to. Um, and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. am here uh, because of those women, Iranian women. Um, the The reason I decided to do this and um, is basically privilege. You know, I am a woman that mm. is living in London. I cannot go back to Iran. Um, I had to make a decision at some point in my life to leave Iran and never go back. And I, my whole family is back in Iran, but I don't come Wait, from you're a... Like, I- you're like not allowed to go back? Yes, or do you I'm, not allowed re- to, I'm not allowed to go back. Um, so you're, you've been exiled. Wow. Yes, exactly. That's what that- because of wow. work, because I'm a journalist and all of that. So, um, I, and it's a very complicated issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a little, so, whole story for itself. But, um, so I live in London and I come from a family with that is relatively um, open-minded, liberal. They never really, you know, uh, I mean, they have, we did have a patriarchal, like my father did have a patriarch role, but they weren't conservative. They weren't religious. Uh, they've always allowed me to express myself and to um, live the lifestyle that I want. 
So that, that is privilege. And I thought, okay, I have this privilege. Um, I, I'm not going back to Iran. I'm not going to, I've, I've already have had to sacrifice that. So what am I, go- what can I do here in, in a land where I am not going to be persecuted? I'm not going to be arrested. What, what can I do for women inside Iran? And I thought, okay, this is it. This is something I can do because I cannot do grassroots movement in Iran. Um, I am outside of Iran. I'm a journalist and I cannot be an activist working for the BBC. But I can, as a journalist, create content that allows women to um, debate issues, to talk with each other and to, to, to educate women on things that they cannot be educated about inside Iran. Because in Iran, you don't have sexual education. You don't have anything about LGBT. You don't have anything about women's rights. None of that. And I try to create that, all of that information and give it to people on my free time. Um, and it, it, it comes from privilege, really, mm-hmm. if I would, uh, if I were to be honest. Like you have the mm-hmm. opportunity that mm-hmm. many women yeah. in Iran really yeah. don't. I have the yeah. privilege and opportunity that many people, women in Iran don't. But also I am gobsmacked by the bravery of Iranian women on social media inside Iran writing. There are some fabulous feminists uh, creating content on social media and they wow. are brilliant. You know, they're so brave. There's they, the, what they are doing. They are on the front line. They are doing what um, they know that they can be arrested. They know they can be harassed, but they still continue to write and continue to be the voice of many. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm so privileged that through social media, I have been able to be in touch with these women, read their stuff because um, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, we don't have independent media in Iran. So wow. women, they're writing on these platforms. And for you to be able to read this material is amazing. And it's, it's, it's really, it, these are interesting times, basically. Do, do women in Iran have access to, they do have access to social media, like Facebook, or is Facebook allowed in Iran and stuff like um, that? Facebook is um, filtered by by the state, but Instagram is not. Wow. Um, okay. They are on Twitter. They, they are on all, oh. all, all of the social media uh, platforms. Uh, they okay. use VPNs to to go through the censorship, basically. Wait, what's a VPN? <laughs> yeah, you have to either live in Iran or China to know what a VPN is. It I is- mean, I actually, actually do know what it is, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't. Can you explain what that is? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just like, oh, that sounds very technical. No, it is, it is this, um, basically you pay and you get, get connected through another country, another yeah. server from another country. Like for instance, oh. uncensored. Yeah. Internet. So you can uncensored Google, uncensored Facebook. You can, you can access Facebook or stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Perks of living in a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. it's it's chilling. Like I'm actually just like really present to how much we take for granted right now. Mm-hmm. It's and and to it's like you know that this is existing in other parts of the world, but to really have a conversation with someone who's been there, um, it's it's chilling. Um, 
What is up, beloved clitoratis? This is a special live workshop announcement about our upcoming workshop called Confidence Under the Covers. Three shortcuts to eliminate self-sabotage, revive your deepest desires, and supercharge your pleasure. So sign up, set your calendars. The first webinar starts in one week. That's September 1st at 10 a.m. For those of you who not only attend the webinar, but also stay until the end of the live workshop, which is only 90 minutes, you will be entered to win the Vush Empress 2 Clitoral Sucker. So sign up today at www.clittalkshow.com backslash confidence. And there's so right now at the time of this recording, there is like a social, speaking of social media, there's a social media campaign that's going around where women are posting black and white photos of themselves. And um, I think it sort of got lost in translation. A lot of people think that it's just about, you know, posting a glamour shot and, you know, it's about empowering women. And I did some research and it's actually a movement in that started in Turkey mm-hmm. um, about the femicide that is happening yeah. there. A lot of women um, in the recent week have been murdered what's it called? A convention in Istanbul that they're, that's meant to support domestic violence and all this stuff. Um, can you speak to femicide in, um, in different parts of the Middle East? And what can we, you know, here in America, is there anything besides posting a black and white photo that we can do to make a difference in that conversation? Mm-hmm. Like, is there anything we can actually do? I think... Um- you know, femicide in, in Iran is also, uh, th- that's why this whole movement in Turkey, the, the black and white photo movement uh, challenge, uh, resonated a lot with Iranian women because two months mm-hmm. ago, four women, four really young women were killed by their husbands uh, or fathers, um, beheaded. One of them was beheaded by her what? father. She was 13 years old. Um, so, and when you look at um, the United Nations um, stati- uh, statistics on homicide, you see that women, um, around 80% of all women murdered in the world have been killed by a partner or an ex-partner. That is really, really alarming. Over 64% have been killed, uh, murdered by um, a male member of their family. You know, so so this is a serious wow. issue where your gender, being a woman, uh, has a role in it. And it comes from honor, you know, when in patriarchal societies, the honor of, of the family, the honor of the society is, uh, is a woman, you know, you, you, they put the, the, the burden of the honor of the family on your shoulder and everything about you can, um, can be interpreted as if you, if, if, if you do anything, so if you want to have an independent identity, if you want to have sex, everything that can be interpreted as, oh my God, you are destroying the honor of your father, of your family. And they would rather kill you than to live with that um, stain on their honor, as they would call it. Wow. So it is an important issue. And I think that feminists and, you know, women's rights activists outside of the um, Middle East, um, White feminists, as uh, uh, they, many many call them, they should they should listen listen to um, listen to what these women are saying. Um, it's very important to listen to understand and to understand that 
different structures, women um, coming from different ethnicities, um, different backgrounds are, um, how do you call it? The, uh, they are experiencing oppression uh, with through different intersections of their identity. And that is so, so, so important to understand. Um, and even understand that this can happen anywhere. You know, th- around 80 honor killings have happened here in UK. Wow. You know, in, in, really? in three, four years, I don't know, five years, I don't remember the, the, the period, but yeah, like it happens because what they do, they, they actually might take their daughter elsewhere and kill her. Send her, wow. send her to Bangladesh, wow. send her back to uh, their country to have her killed. You know, so, th- so this is important to listen and to understand these. Yeah, like 70% of communication is listening. So if, if we could make a difference in a way uh, to, I guess, <laughs> you know, like that saying where it's like, like white Western people come in to like fix mm. developing or like other nations and they're like... <laughs> Yeah. white people, right? <laughs> yeah. But to really listen and, and then to speak from that place. And it's just, it's am- amazing to me and astounding to me, like Lindsay said, that you, when you're in your reality, it takes hearing a story like this and talking to someone like you to get the gravity of other people's realities. And it's very humbling. Like right now, I'm just like all my complaints last week. Like I feel like such an asshole for the complaints I made. I've been privileged to be able to like, speak up as a woman so much so that what I get uh, shamed for is being too loud <laughs> and being too bold. And that's my problem as a woman. And and there's, this is the duality and yeah. like oppression. And like you were saying, it's a dictatorship. It's a system. It sounds like a systemic ish problem. What would be possible <laughs> if there like all, all voices could be heard. I feel like there'd be a shift in mm. on the planet because then that entire society of women is now part of the collective um, uh, pussy empowered women. I, I like to say, but feminists mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I could, it's a tipping point moment. Uh, the work you're doing is, is profound. Um, and I just wanted to ask, uh, are you able to, when you said that you can't go back, and your whole family's there. Um, how do you maintain the relationship with your family that fulfills you um, and them? Well, it's so difficult to be honest. Um, you know, I, I left the, um, Iran in July uh, two thousand nine, um, and I have never been back. And um, well, when I left, I thought I was going to go back. I thought uh, things are going to slow down a little because it was during the green movement um, in Iran. I thought things were going to, you know, turn out okay. And probably in a year or two years maximum, I'll go back. I'll go back to Iran, but I never did. Um, And it has taken a lot of therapy, um, a lot of um, uh, soul searching, a lot of crying, a lot of... um, Anxiety, all of these things have been part of it because it's really terrifying that <clears throat> you know that your whole family are living somewhere and anything can go right. And especially in a country like Iran, where my family do get harassed simply because they. I was going to ask yeah, if your family's yeah, safe. No, they they might you, you they they might go on, for instance, just just to get me to shut up 
arrest my brother. You know, they have right. done it to very famous Iranian uh, women's rights activist, Masih Ali Najad. Her, they, they, they have uh, sentenced her brother. Uh, she is in America. She's in New York. They have sentenced her brother in Iran to eight years in prison simply because he is her brother. You know, so, you know, you have to wow. live with this. In, in your head. And it's, it gives you anxiety. It gives you nightmares. It's like, oh my God, what if, what if my parents die and I am not able to be there to say goodbye? And I've, I've lost my aunt. I've lost my grandmother. Um, I've had cousins get married. I have had cousins born and, um, I, I haven't been able to be a part of any of that. Um, to be honest, um, I also, f- again, feel lucky because I, my parents have, are able to leave the country at least once a year. So I see them um, mm. somewhere. I usually see them in a third country because UK doesn't give visa to Iranians easily. So it's very hard to get your family all to come to, to, to London. It's very difficult. But I do see them in other European countries, in France and places like that. Um, or I go closer to Iran, somewhere uh, like Dubai to see them. Uh, but it's, it's, yes, it's once a year uh, that you can see your family. It's usually 10 days or two weeks um, that you get to see to spend with them. But again, I'm very lucky because we have technology, you know. Uh, you have social media. I'm on WhatsApp and video calls all the time with my parents. It's not enough, definitely. It's not enough. You miss them. You miss them terribly. But it is what it is. You have to, you cannot... It's, it's really different. If you, if you want to like um, think about it all the time, then you're you're going to just get really, really depressed. Uh, oh my God, I wasn't able to do this for them. I wasn't able to do that for them. But yeah, I think for me, therapy really helped me because I had uh, anxiety a lot um, over this. I, I, w- I, w- I always thought that something bad is going to happen to my family and mm-hmm. I'm going to be helpless here. But therapy wow. really, really helped me. Yeah. Well, I think your mission is driving, but no mission comes without sacrifice, yeah. I think. And, you know, not being able to see your family is, um, I mean, I haven't been able to see my family because mm-hmm. of COVID, but like the, since 2009 and you see them once a year, I mean, that's... Yeah. Thank, thank really, you for um, your stand. Extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And your service. Thank you. <laughs> You're so selfless. You're extraordinary. No. Extraordinary. Like you, you've dedicated you dedicating your life so that thousands and hopefully millions of women are able to have a voice in an equal way that we do and that men do that are, and I don't know. I could cry right now. Honestly, I think <laughs> I've, been crying. Crying. I've been crying. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> like I'm moved by who you are. No, like it's, thank it's you. beautiful how selfless you are and like empowered around it. And I have all the listeners listening out there, like we gotta, we gotta get over our, our silly complaints. No, no, uh, that's what I want to say. They're not silly complaints. No, 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 no. Every, every inequality is important, you know, and we have to fight eat the little ones, even the little, the, the tiny little ones are so, so important. You know, it's not um, a lot of times, you know, that's, that, that happens a lot uh, with, uh, you know, people who want to 
bash feminism. Oh, you've made feminism into body hair. You've made feminism all about sex. You've made feminism about this and that. And it's like, excuse me, nobody tells women what feminism is except women. Mm. And it is also mm. women who say w- what is important to us and that and what is not. And women don't all come from the same background, from the same ethnicity, from the same um, uh, social status, everything. You know, we we are so diverse and our problems are diverse. But it's what is important is to always be intersectional as well and to, to, to bring in others into the conversation and to amplify the voices that are not as loud as yours. For instance, I try as hard as I can and not enough to amplify transgender women's voices, Iranian women's voices, because they have no platform. Right. You know, it's important to do that. Um, And some people come, oh yeah, women in Iran have no rights and you are talking about transgender rights? What is wrong with you? You know, but but that's not right. You know? Yeah, right. So you you said the way that we can help is to listen. And that's what we're here for today. And I want to hear some Mm -hmm. stories about the women that you have helped. Um, I I watched an interview and you talked about disabled Mm -hmm. women and expressing their sexualities and everywhere from there to obesity to abortion. These are all taboo things to talk about um, in the Afghan culture. Iranian and Afghan, So I want to hear some stories. Iranian and Afghan. So I want to hear some stories um, so that we can... Some breakthrough stories. Better understand. Um, inspirational mm. stories. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing that when women uh, feel safe and when they are given um, a platform, how brave they are and how willing they are mm. to share stories. Um, I was doing something for BBC 100 Women uh, a few years ago. And I was looking for, I I wanted women to talk about sexuality, their sexual, Iranian women to talk about their sexuality. And I reached out to this woman on social media, not not a known woman at all. Um, And she, um, her name was Mitra Farazande. Uh, she is severely disabled. Uh, She was born with this uh, condition that um, her if she moves, all, her bones will break. You know, it's like, so, so oh, she had, wow. she's, she's not able to move at all. And she has to be protected all the time. Um, she, she, she was a woman in her late thirties. Um, and I reached out to her and I said, um, she, she lives in this very tiny village, um, north of Iran by the Caspian Sea. And, a very conservative family. And I asked her to just write about her love. I asked her, have you ever been in love? Have you ever been loved? Have you ever had sexual feelings? Has anyone ever asked you any of these? And she's like, no, never. I was like, well, I'm asking you and I want you to write something for us. And um, she said, okay. And she wrote this piece which was so moving that it just went viral all, all over BBC. Every language service in BBC um, 
translated it. And everybody wow. was just like, wow, this, this is so, she was so brave to put herself out there, you know, in an, in a culture where even abled body women are not allowed to talk about their sexuality, let alone someone with a disability, you know? And she was talking about how she was, she has loved, she has sexual feelings and how her family has always told her that you're not allowed to have these feelings. Now, you know, us as Clit Talk based in, in the United States, the, the majority of our listeners are, you know, in the United States and Australia and Canada. Um, but according to our stats, we have about 20 listeners in Iran. So shout out to you, to you people in Iran. We love you. What is up? Um, thank you so much for um, coming on today. This has been one of the most, I think, impactful episodes we've ever done. I, um, I love your show. I, I think everything <laughs> you do is impactful. Seriously. Thank you. It is. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess I just want to kind of give you the floor. You know, what would you like to leave us with today? Uh, count your privileges while you're fighting, while you're fighting for all of these inequalities and fighting for equality. Also count your privileges and just know that the more privileges you have, the more blind spots you're going to have. And those blind spots, you need to, mm. you need to always reboot yourself and reformat yourself basically. Um, and re- that's why when people who don't have those privileges come to you and talk to you, don't, don't get offended. Don't think that they, it's, it's, they're attacking you or they're, they're criticizing you. Just, just listen and see what you can do to amplify their voices through your Mm. platforms, any platform you have. I think that is the most important thing that we women can do for each other, women and LGBTQ. Uh, This is what we need to do Mm -hmm. for each other. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking your time. I know it's like in the evening for you all the way in London. It's like the morning for us. Um, I'm so glad. So where can our um, where can our listeners find you, connect to you? We're obviously going to post your links as well, but how, what's the best way for people to connect to you? Um, my Instagram is Farinak Amidi. Um, they can find me there. And on Twitter, I am um, most active on these two platforms with my okay. full name, Farinak Amidi. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And Thank I would so love much. to hear from them. And yeah, that's about it. I think you you. will. (laughs) I I think you will. I think you will. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much um, for just coming on today. This was, this made a huge difference for me. I'm sure it's going to make a huge difference for a lot of people. I'm, 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 I'm I'm really, it's, it's an honor. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Clitorati. With that, we will see you next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bye. 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 (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at clittalkshow for your clit fix in between episodes.